praise God. We're going to turn to Romans, the eighth chapter. Again, we say we miss you when you're gone. Miss uh, Brother Mike and Sister Emily, pray for them there in Louisiana with their family coming home, I believe, Saturday. Pray for them to have a safe trip home. And uh, hallelujah. God is just so good. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth, Lord. Hallelujah. So, so blessed, God. We're so blessed not only to have a Bible, and Lord, but to have a revelation of it, God, and have a hunger for it, God. Bless your people today, Lord. Help us. Lord, teach us, lead us. God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Aren't you glad? God sees how weak we are, and the Holy Ghost helps us. For we know not what we should pray, what we should pray for as we ought. Anybody ever feel that? I don't even know how to pray about it. And really, the more you think about any situation, when you know God is, you know, like we sang about heaven's point of view, the big picture, God, I just want to make sure I'm praying your will. Amen. But the Holy Ghost will help us. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's the Holy Ghost. That's speaking in tongues. That's the Spirit of God praying and interceding through us and taking over when we're weak. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know. How many say, I know it? Uh, We know it, but do we really know it? I remember a preacher getting up years ago and really, really laying us out with it, just challenging us, saying, nobody, you don't really believe this, or you wouldn't be complaining. You don't really believe this, or you wouldn't be worried. We believe it, just help our unbelief. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now listen to this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God bless you. You can be seated. Romans 8 is just a chapter that is so rich and so uh, much that is there that we could teach and, and deal with for weeks upon it. Weeks, but uh, I want to look at this verse 29 a little bit. In the really just coming off of the promise that God is working all things together for our good, but we understand we've taught it many times according to His purpose, not according to our wants, not according to our whims, not according to our flesh, but according to His will. And how many know His will is better than all that I just said? Amen. His will is going to yield blessings. His will is going to yield fulfillment. It talks about Almighty God and gets into some things that we can really struggle with because we are so finite. Because in His infinite power, 
He knew the end from the beginning. I know a lot of folks, if they struggle with that, say, well, I mean, do I, do I even have free will if God already knows what I'm going to do? Absolutely. God just knows what decision you're going to make. God knows the choice. And in that, just like he didn't choose for uh, Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery and for Potiphar's wife to lie and, and, and really blackmail him, God was still in all that and worked it all together for good. Didn't seem good at the time. I think about sometimes the details of Calvary. Think about the cruelty of a man that thought it was a funny, sick joke to braid together thorns that would look like a crown to torture and mock. Our Lord. But yet it fulfilled prophecy. And every lash upon his back that 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 centurion laid across his body and and every nail that that pierced his hands and feet was foretold. Those men didn't know anything about Jewish prophecy. Their cruelty, their their hatred, those that cried out, crucify him. But every bit of it, God worked in that evil darkness. And God's going to work in our situations as well. God's going to bring good out of it one way or another. We might not see it in the midnight hour. We might not understand it as we're facing it. But he's promised That all things are going to work together for good according to his purpose. Amen. But in his infinite knowledge, the Bible does not use the word omniscient. But it's just a fancy word that says he knows everything. Not just the facts and figures about science and space and and the depths of the ocean. but, But he knows your thoughts from afar off. He knows deeper than than that even. He knows the intentions of your heart. And he knows sometimes when we can't be honest with ourselves, he knows the truth. He knows us before we're even born into this world. He said, before you were ever born, I knew you. And had a plan and a purpose for your life. He knows every decision you made, and and He knows where it's going to take you down the road. I'm so thankful that God knows our failures before we ever fail and still gives us every benefit of His love and His blessings. Amen. You ever wonder why God wastes His time on somebody that, that isn't going to love Him anyway, but He's just that kind of God. He's going to be righteous and and not be a respecter of persons no matter what. The Bible says he foreknew us. He knew us before we ever took our first breath. And he knows us, praise God, and the very 
hairs on our head and knows the direction of our life. The Bible says he had a plan. This idea of predestination. A lot of folks are mixed up by it. There's a a doctrine in the land that uh, sometimes is is just called after a man's name, a man uh, named John Calvin, who mapped out an understanding that basically God makes the choice for you and you just basically go and get in and go for the ride. But the idea of predestination in the Bible to uh, just maybe take a long story or a long doctrine and cut it short is that he foreknows us and he's got a plan for us. He does not individually predestinate somebody to be saved and somebody to be lost. But if you look at every situation, every context of predestination and election in the Bible. It's not talking about individuals. It's talking about the plan that he will have a church. He's predestined to have a people. Now, are you going to be one of them or not? He's going to have a bride. Are you going to be a part of it or not? Every place that talks about predestination and election, it's talking about the church being chosen and predestined. But we've got an individual responsibility to make the right choices to be on that train to glory. Amen. He's got a plan, though. He predestines us with a purpose when we are part of his church. The Bible says to be conformed to the image of his son. I want to talk about that just a little bit. I know we've already dug pretty deep into some things. But the idea of conformity is something that the world likes to hate and destroy. You uh, go back to the very beginning and open up your Bibles. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. God starts moving. His spirit and his word start moving, and he starts building. He starts bringing order. He starts bringing things together and making things uh, with purpose and with, uh, with life and with blessings. Amen. But the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. One place in the book of Revelation... The enemy, the adversary, is called the destroyer, Abaddon, Apollyon. Two different languages to talk about the devil being a destroyer. And that's what he does. He destroys, he tears down, tears down lives. Amen. With sin, with addiction, with confusion, with perversion. Amen. He tears down families. He tears down society. In America today, for decades now, more than ever before, I suppose, we see the mainstream just using all their resources to destroy any bit of godly order, any kind of boundaries that the Word of God would set up as righteous and holy. And... uh, the idea of conformity, the idea of, uh, of lining up and fitting in to an ordered structure is always, has always been attacked. When God sets laws, the devil is the lawless one. The idea of iniquity in the Bible 
really is the very definition of that word is, is to be lawless. God sets order. He sets boundaries. He sets laws. And even in a church setting, when you start talking about boundaries and laws, and, 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 and it makes folks' skin crawl. Well, it attacks their flesh is what it does. We have this idea that the New Testament just, in, in the promise of liberty, in the promise of freedom, which God brings, He frees us from sin. He frees us from the bondage of the devil. But God is a God of order. God is a God of conformity. God's got us on the same team. He's got us in a family. The world has this idea that they... What a sad thing. You see naive parents and, oh, you know, my child, they're a free spirit. You know what that means? They're a rebellious brat. (laughs) Oh, they're just a free spirit. You're going to be crying. Amen. Oh, they just, uh, we're not going to restrict them with rules and make decisions for them. You're going to be sorry. That, that same idea that, that is uh, somehow, I believe, uh, Hollywood has, has glorified it. Certainly we see the, one of the most frustrating, I'm, I want to say this, because it has spiritual ramifications of it. The idea of having a nation and one of the worst things possible for a nation is borders. That is legitimately to me one of the most insane ideas that I've ever heard in politics. In a day full of terrorism, where thousands of people have, have died at the hands of, of suicide bombers, and oh, what we need is open borders. Don't check them out. Don't, don't, don't get ID from them. It, it, it's insanity, but it is the spirit of the devil in these last days that just sees wrong in everything that just makes sense in God's order. We, we see it in churches. We see this idea that, hey, we're all preaching the same thing. We all believe the same thing. We all have, you know, are all just going in the same direction. And Well, what about what God said? Just black and white in his word. Well, you know, we don't want to use that for contention or problems. Well, the truth is what makes us free. There's no liberty. If anybody can just come on my property and take my stuff and come and go and, 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 and make uh, uh, vandalize things, and, and that's not liberty, that's bondage. The idea that there are boundaries and there are laws that back those boundaries makes life worth living in a free society. And people need to recognize that when God brings us into his body, the church, there are going to be some, there's going to be some structure. There's going to be some boundaries. There's going to be ways that, well, what the Bible tells us. There's going to be some things we don't, we don't wear. There's going to be some things we don't look at. There's going to be some things that we don't do. And there's going to be other things we do. Amen. Because God takes broken lives and brings that structure, brings that order, And what we have to be careful with in the world today is that when we see that, our tendency in our flesh is to rebel. 
is to go our own way. Is to now listen, I want to be very, very clear. I think the idea, you know this, probably a vast majority of my ministry is saying, don't just believe it because I said it. Know what we believe. Know why we believe it. I, I don't know how many times I know I know that you tell people all the time, hey, if you've got questions, uh, we've got a preacher who will take the time to answer those questions. And he'll have a blast doing it. I enjoy a good Bible study. I love being able to stand up for what I believe in and say, here's what the Bible says. Here's the context of it. Here's the history of it. Here's the, here's the, uh, the, the, the rightly divided word of truth. So I want to be very clear that questions are not just acceptable you gotta ha- you gotta ask questions. You've gotta get this into your heart. You've gotta understand what this is. The disciples weren't rebuked when they said, "Hey, we don't get this idea, this parable that you're telling about the sower." I wanna. Can you please explain this to us a little bit farther? He didn't say, "Hey, who do you think you are?" You know, with your dumb questions. Just just, just uh, you know, either either follow along or there's the door. No, it was. Uh, this is this is why I'm telling you these things, and they're not going to get it because you've got this hunger to go a little bit deeper and to find this out. So that's a quality. Paul, we know, talked about the Bereans and said they were so noble because they searched the Scriptures and asked they, they asked these questions, and they wanted to know the, the, the heart and soul of, of doctrine. So it's so vital when you, when you get into the house of God, when you come to church, there's going to be some things that, that, that it's different. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a culture, if you will. It, it's a new set of, of, uh, of people and, and boundaries. And, and God, God has blessed us with that. It's amazing. You know, I'm not just going to say it's young people, but can I just say it this way? I'm not young people today in America. It seems like, you know, you can raise children and, and, and uh, have a life that you've prayed and, and uh, labored over things. And I know for me, I, I, saying no is not easy for me. You know, they always talk about when you uh, correct your children, it hurt me more than it hurt you. But, you know, you don't ever want to see that disappointment. You don't ever want to just say no, that's... We don't, you know, you don't need that or no, we're not going to do that. Or, no, that's, that's not, that's not a good thing. We're going to stay away from that. You know, you don't like that disappointment, but because you love them, you've prayed about it and you've made decisions not based on what's easiest because, you know, to say, well, I'm going to let them do whatever they want and make them, that's not love according to the Bible. And it's, and, and it's lazy. It, it's uh, it's sad because you're shirking responsibility. But it is a very common thing in days like today that people will not just question. That would be okay. That would be great. But totally circumvent the whole idea of learning, questioning, challenging with a great, the right attitude. But just attack and destroy and tear down and, and act like it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard because that's what... The people in that television that you welcome into your home taught them? 
That's what all of their, their, the music they're listening to is telling them. Oh, yeah, it's there. I'm not just making this up. The attitude of rebellion is, is just rampant in, in every part of our culture. And, uh, and how, how often people come to church and just forget that we didn't just start this because we felt like it. We didn't just do this because we thought it was a good idea. This isn't something, hey, nobody else in the world does it this way. Hello? These are things that we have prayed about and prayed about and prayed about and continue to pray about. These are things that we have have uh, gotten together with like-minded men and women across the country and, and recognized and grew and and the church is established in truth, amen? Not on a whim, not on one preacher's idea of what, what ought to be, but, but here's the Word of God, amen? And uh, we got to be careful when we, tr- when we just move too quickly to destroy the very foundations and the very structures of what God has built around us in any situation. The Bible talks about this way. I find myself quoting it pretty often. If you reap the wind, what's the wind? To me, that is a, uh, in that context, it is a, the idea of just, just that, that free spirit, no, no boundaries, what's going to stop me, nothing can. You reap the wind, or you sow the wind, rather. You're going to reap the whirlwind. A whirlwind is destruction. A whirlwind doesn't leave anything standing after it's done just ravaging everything in your life this world is well let me let's read some more scriptures let's go to romans 12th chapter romans 12 i know you're familiar with this this is one of the most instrumental verses god used in my life to to help me see that i need to get serious with living for god and it really just was a turning point when god spoke to me through these verses I heard them preached one day. Romans 12, 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When you know God is God, playing church isn't an option. Going through the motions of church is not an option. He said to be a living sacrifice is reasonable. But he goes on and says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, be, may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a lot of things that we could talk about tonight that I've had folks ask questions about and say, well, why are preachers worried about this? I don't really know that I see it specifically in the Bible. There's a principle here that ministry is praying about and careful about because that rebellion of the world that we're talking about, when somebody in church starts to look a little bit more like the world and not like a Christian, starts talking a little bit more like the world and not like a Christian, their behavior is relates more to the world than to the church. That conformity, that word conformed, means to be fashioned like unto. We are to be conformed 
to the image of Jesus. We are, in one way, I, I've explained it already, if I would take a, a piece of aluminum foil and I would wrap it around this microphone, take it off, you would still see that microphone. It would be the shape, it would be the form of the microphone. And, and to be conformed unto the image of Jesus is to be more like Him day by day. So there's a lot of things. And I try to be very careful with this because uh, I'm not just necessarily trying to make a law where God hasn't put a law. But understand that you're going to get folks that matter in your life, Christian people that are praying for you, that when you start conforming yourself to the styles and the fashions and the, the spirit of this world, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. Amen. There, there's going to be some, some concern and say, hey, we're going in a bad direction. We're worried about that because that spirit gets a hold of folks. And, and that worldliness, I know there's not a lot of preaching these days about this, the idea of worldliness, but this is where that comes from in one sense, that, that we are less like the world and more like Jesus. The, uh, the attitude of people when we come into the house of God, we need to learn. We need to be hungry for knowledge, hungry for re- answers and reasons. That's good. But to come into church, I've, I've had folks come in. And, oh, I love this church. This is the best thing. And uh, I, I've just never felt God like this before. This is what I needed. I've been praying and God just moved. Oh, I, I just love it so much. And, and, uh, and within, within just a day's time, get a phone call and say, hey, let me tell you, I don't know the, the way y'all pray before church. I've got some ideas because I think we all do it completely different. And some of the, the, the ways you worship, and, and I, I don't know, and not just, hey, explain to me uh, lifting up your hands. Explain to me, uh, you know, uh, uh, singing and shouting. Explain to me speaking in other tongues. No, you know what? I, I don't know it. I don't like it. I, I think it ought to change. And when folks come to church and try to change the church rather than let the church change them, that's a big problem. Learning. Honest questions that deserve honest answers. Amen. Absolutely. I, 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 you got nothing but respect when you've got questions about, hey, why do we do it this way? Why is this important? Is this a big deal or not? And if, if it is, why or why not? Amen. That is, that is valuable. You need to grow up and understand some things and how, how the world works around you. And, but there is a spirit of lawlessness that is in the world. We see it. The Bible talks about it. If you read Daniel and the book of Revelation, it's all through the world, and it, and it comes against the church. This idea that we're going to destroy every, every law, destroy every, every commandment, destroy every form of holiness and doctrine, it's evil. Sadly, this world is reaping the whirlwind. This world is is seeing, we are seeing folks, and uh, it oughtn't shock you. I'm not saying that you don't take notice of it. You'd be blind not to. But people around you, they're just, they're broken. They've got no understanding of, talk about godly uh, parents that prayed for them and loved them. When you have people that have been abused and abandoned, 
people that have been brought up by a government school system that tells them that, that you can have two moms or two dads. or Now the idea of moms and dads is, whew. And to, to be putting that in young minds. To have young children that are, that, that are, are saying, well, you know, uh, I've been watching. You know, they don't quite say it this way, but you and I both know. I've been watching all this and, and, and uh, 24 hours a day practically filling my mind with all these videos and all this Internet. And, and mommy, daddy, I'm not a boy. I'm a girl now. Young, young children. And if God gets a hold of any of them, it is the exception to the rule that somebody's got their, their life in any kind of order outside of God's church. I know the Bible says, and such for some of you. We, we've, we've had it, but it's not getting any better. And to be able to bring order and bring blessing into this world. You know, the churches nowadays, they've, they've done their best. You know, we've heard it for years. This isn't something new. But the church tries to meet a, a broken society by acting broken themselves. That's not going to work. An idea that the church is supposed to let down and, uh, and on who we are and what we are to try to win people. That's not, that's not winning people. It's like, like folks coming in so sick and, and, and tore up with, with disease. And, and, and uh, you know, we, the hospital wants to help them. So they, they spread dirt all over the place and make it filthy and, and full of disease. And, and say, oh, we're gonna, we, we, we don't want you to be uncomfortable, you know. And so uh, that, that's ridiculous. The church is, is a clean place. The church is a place that appreciates the order. It's not, uh, it's not tyranny. It's not a dictatorship for a mom and a dad or a boss at a, at a good job. They'll say, no, this is how things are going to be. Same way for ministry. Same way for having a pastor. Same thing for having people in the church over their uh, respective uh, duties in the church. It's... It's just order is the right thing, but there is a spirit of lawlessness that is working against us all. But we need to look at at God's word and say, God, conform me. God, form me into something better. Form me into, you know, when you start looking at, at different parts of the word of God and start seeing that, that it's uh, like a, we're, we're to be soldiers armed with the armor of God. You can't be a soldier and be a rogue, lawless, doing your own thing. There is just an understanding of, of order. We talked about it when we were there in Proverbs 30, I guess it is, with the locust that has no king, but, but goes forth in bands, does, does a lot of, well, he thinks it's good. Everybody else doesn't like it, but gets a lot done nonetheless, I guess is the point. The idea of having order and having boundaries careful when you when you are are so so easily so flippantly so casually just ignore that don't it's there for a reason it's there with a lot of thought philippians 3 i thank god for boundaries i thank god for borders i thank god for for his way because i know here it is I'll tell you something that a lot of folks, I feel like probably most of us, if not all of us, I hope all of us would agree. I know my ways aren't going to get me anywhere without God. 
I thank God when God tells me, you know what, you want that, but that's no good. That's a good father. That's a good God. He's not a tyrant that, that hates me. He's a God that loves me and says, hey, there's wolves out outside that gate. Amen. It's not good for you. I've got better for you. Thank God for God's will. Philippians 3, 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. That's what we're saying. I had this idea that all these things, and I, I guess that Paul would put it into perspective for us. Paul was, was, uh, was looking at what he wanted was looking at his own glory, was looking at his own pride. And he said, all those things that I thought were going to further my life and bless me, now they just held me back from what's most important, and that's more of Jesus. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Isn't, uh, is that your heart? Oh, devil whispers in your ear. Now you're a Christian. You gave up all that fun. You said all that dung, all that fertilizer. <laughs> oh, don't you, don't you miss how things used to be? Loss. The best thing in my life has ever been is Jesus. The best thing that I can have is more of Him. When He takes something out of my life, I can recognize, you know what, that wasn't good for me. That wasn't healthy for me. That wasn't, that didn't, I wasn't proud of myself when I was caught up in all that. I think folks need to remember, like the children of Israel forgot what it was like being a slave. We need to remember what it was like serving sin. Getting up in the morning hating yourself. The regret, the loathing of yourself. Amen. It's no, I'm not, I'm not taking this lightly, but, uh, and, but it's, it's no surprise to me the amount of people that are on some kind of medication to try to help them just survive through the day without being so depressed they can't get out of bed in the morning. I tell you, Jesus can set you free said, I've found in him that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is by is of God by faith, that I may know him. Listen, this is my drive. This is my goal, that I might know him. I want to know more of him. I want to grow in this relationship. I'm not satisfied here. Sadly, so many people are just so satisfied where they are and just hearing the same thing, uh, just repeated and regurgitated rather than growing in God and getting a deeper relationship with God. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. That means i got to be more like Jesus who said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. i got to be able in the victories and in the hard times to be able to say, okay, I want to be more like you, Lord. 
When I hear something in church that rubs me the wrong, maybe something was said here tonight. You say, oh, he's talking about me or oh, he's he, he's dealing with something that, that he doesn't know. But I'm 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 dealing with that. God say, come on, let's break free. Come on, let's do better. Come on, let's get out of that comfort zone of, and, and grow and learn and know me more in this. Hello. Being made conformable unto his death, that my will dies. My will is put on the cross. My will, I say, must decrease, be a living sacrifice, being conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Is that your goal? I want to make it. I want to rise. Amen. I want to be caught up together with them in the air. I want to I want to make it to that resurrection day. And I want to hear well done. If that is your your goal, if that is your everything, then it's going to direct you to say God, I want to be more like you and less like me. I want to be more I want to grow and have all that the fruit of the spirit being strengthened in me and built in me and I want others to see it too. That I might know him and being, and I might be conformable unto his death. Verse uh, 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. If there's anything you're reaching for, if there's anything you're pressing towards, let it be heaven. Let it be Jesus. Goals and things in your life that you want to attain more than anything else, let it be drawn closer to God. This world is is filled with a spirit of lawlessness. I've been in church long enough to see this shift in the modern church way that is just rampant with lawlessness. Folks that are just have, have no no room in their faith for Jesus to be their Lord. That no, anything goes. Nothing is sacred. No one can tell them, hey, doesn't the Bible say, thou shalt not? Oh, you're a legalist. You're, a, you're, you're trying to crush my liberty. It's not freedom to live without God's authority in your life. If that Bible doesn't mean everything to you and God's way above your own ways, then he's not your Lord. And the Bible says if you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. So you, don't, you can't even say you love him. The way you're supposed to love them. People love themselves. That's what the Bible says. They're lovers of their own selves. But when you fall in love with God, you're going to recognize His authority in your life is liberty. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what He said. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, I want to, I want to grow in Him. We're living in a world where we are up against 
an attitude that tries to tear down everything we're trying to build up. God's ways will set folks free. Their confusion, their perversion, their bondage to addiction. Jesus is the answer for that. His truth will make them free indeed. But rather say, here I am, Lord. I want to be like that lump of clay, just without any form, without any ability to be used, without any purpose. And I want you to start shaping me. Lives are broken. Lives are shattered on such a deep level. Jesus has the answer for them. But oh, how how we need to examine ourselves. How we need to look in the mirror of God's Word and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to listen. Help me to yield myself to You. Conforming to the image of Jesus. Submission to His will doesn't mean you don't have questions. You're never concerned. But it just means, you know, I I need God's way in my life. I need God's order in my life. And I feel like I've heard it tonight in some of the testimonies, but I... I want to say one of the greatest things that God's ever done for me is to bring the order out of the mess that my life was. To bring purpose and boundaries that are not my own, not my will, not what I want. Oh, there have been times, I'm sure, in every one of our lives where we've had to say, you know what, this isn't easy, but I know God's... God's trying to pull this out of me. God's trying to work something good in me. And you fight against it. You try to reason with it. But you just let God have His way. You're going to see it's always going to be. It's always been that His way is good. When He got done... At the end of those six days of bringing life and order and creation into this reality, we have this universe. He said, it's very good. And I believe that's why we testify. That's why we stand and say, let me tell you about God working in my life. It's very good. It's very good. Let's find a place to talk to the Lord before we leave this house. Let's... Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for order. I want to be conformed, God. I want to be conformed, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Granted, Jesus is my thing. Oh, daily walking close to thee. 
been working in these last days when the devil's been fighting harder against us more than ever. God's anointing, God's power has been stronger. The devil's fought harder, but fellowship is better, unity is better. God's going to equip us. God's going to help us together to meet this end time darkness that we're facing, the lawlessness, the foolishness. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter about the spirit of Antichrist that's working in the land today, talks about the mystery of iniquity. And you'll see that word in other times. It's just brought out very clearly. It's lawlessness. It's un- inconformity. It's those that are fighting against the structure of God's kingdom. That spirit of iniquity, that spirit of lawlessness that is working in the land today. I want to yield to God more than ever. I want God's will in my life, God's order in my life. In a day of lawlessness, in a day of iniquity, in a day of rebellion, Let's hold on to truth. Let's love truth and together fight for it, defend it, stand for it to the end. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord, again for your presence here today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for a revelation of this truth, God. Help us as days go on and perilous times increase. Help us, Lord, to buy the truth and sell it not. Stand in defense and confirmation of your word. And to see God victory in our lives, God, day after day. Lord, we love you. I ask you, please, just continue to work. Shine your light through us, God. Help us to reach these in our community for you. Lord, bless each one. Keep us safe. Keep us in health and protection. We love you, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church.